This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. M. Oh. M. Mom! Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi, Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by drag queen, singer-songwriter, business entrepreneurs, vocalist, vocalist, Emmy-nominated actor, and my mom, (laughs) Willem. Hi, Willem. Hello. Well, both you and Alaska. Seattle, Seattle. (laughs) The producers of this show both don't know that you're supposed to say, hi, Jinx, when I say, hi, Willem. Oh. Let's try it again. You look like, what, what do you look like? You look like a monster high doll right now. Girl, don't you, I look great? Yeah. Get up into the gig. The, where'd your mustache go? We shaved it. Yosemite Samantha's on remission right now. <laughs> uh, Was there a story behind that to, that I missed? Yeah, Was I it good. Yeah, you did look good. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. She felt like growing a mustache? You know, uh... <laughs> A unumu hair. I am a woman, um, <laughs> but I can grow hair out of my face. And sometimes I thought it could create a cool shape, so I did it. And I had a back surgery. I had a uh, replacement, uh, disc replacement, L five S one. And so I was like down for like a couple months. So sure. I was, like, why? My dad is like the smartest man I know because he said as soon as he was done in the military and didn't have to shave anymore, he said he would never shave his upper lip again. And he never did. I've never seen him without a mustache. So like with my mustache, I felt like I looked like my dad. And like, I love that because like, I love my dad. He's so cool. And like, you know, he took me to my first drag show when I was 13. Like he let me go to Rocky horror while like he was sleeping in the car for the midnight showings <laughs> from work. Planet. Like my dad is the coolest guy. So I was so happy. So you were just having dad. fun growing your facial hair. I was just being fun. Going to a Do festival. you know, but here's the thing is because, um, because you know, both you and Alaska, you curate the experience. You put a lot of thought into what you do. You step your pussies up. So I kept saying to people, Willem's got a mustache now. Did I miss something? And they'd say, she had back surgery. And I'd go, I just don't get how the one thing has to do with the other, but I'm happy. What I was happy was, you know what I was happy about? Was someone who is obviously so gorgeous, who has made her career on being just, you know, the Hollywood 
bombshell that she is. Oh my god, that, um, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. Well, like your your aesthetic that is was very the goal, Lonnie Anderson. Exactly. I exactly. wanted to be Lonnie Anderson growing up because she was in the tabloids, married to Burt Reynolds all the time, and I was like, I want to be this blonde lady with the fake tits. It's so clear that you know you're going for this Hollywood bombshell, but what I love is you know you've. You've already proven that that's what you do and you do that. And then you grew a handlebar mustache. And it was kind of like, it was kind of like saying, look at all the things that I can be. And I love that. And it, 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 it takes me to my first question that are you, you're used to getting probed, but um, do you like a probing interview? I do, honestly. And like, this is like, this feels like my safe space because you're such a good <laughs> friend and stuff. And like, we've, you know. We've been in the trenches and toured. And- well, this is what I wanna. This is what I wanna ask, and it's gonna sound blunt. Well, just remember, question, question, compliment. Okay. Sure. Well, I gave you. <laughs> here's the. <laughs> here's the question. Do you think your partnership with Alaska, being business partners, creative collaborators, at all? Do you think it has made you a better human being and a better drag queen? 100%. Yeah. In the way that I recognized um, that my paint changed when I used to paint next to Detox and Vicky. And I became <laughs> better in that sense. Like, mm-hmm. you, like you run into other drag queens and you learn from them, especially, um, you know, she, she's so brilliant. She like amazed us all on the show with her creativity. And like she and I have like, we we uh, create good stuff together. We both find the you create funny. great stuff, objectively great stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because we were like we're both from Pennsylvania, and we both have a lot of the same like gay niche references, like sure. Party Girl and like Heather Headley and Aida, and like all these weird like you know Linda Etter songs that were in the Jekyll and Hyde workshop, but not the original yeah. cast recording. <laughs> like random weird shit. And um, I think that's, you know, that's what bonds drag queens, you know, drag, all all drag is so referential to what we, the human being and the artist personally has been affected by in their life. That's what drag is. Um, At least that's how American drag, that's, that's where, that's where it's at. Plus blowjobs and drink tickets. Yeah, and exposure. Um, Well, you do it for exposure, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, like you talk, you look at most drag queens of the last hundred years and it's like, it's all referential, referential, (laughs) just you look at Bunny and it's all referential. Um, So, of course, that's something that bonds you. (laughs) She's like, give me that flag. Now hold it up and then move it away. Girl, I don't know what I'm going to do now that they've discontinued the powder from my wig. Um, but um, <laughs> she got a new face. Did you hear? No, I didn't hear. Yeah, she got all yank, a vertical. <laughs> they, put, they put a foot on the back of her neck and said, "Take a deep breath." <laughs> but I, I think I know one hundred percent my partnership with Dela through the years and my collaboration with Dela. Oh I've become God. a better writer. Penises. I've become a better performer. I've become. I've definitely. I don't produce. Um, the holiday tour with her, but I'm, you know, like I'm calling the shots on my summer tour right now and I'm better at doing that because I've watched Dela produce our tour for the last five years. So I think there's something, you know, I, I talk about 
it a lot on this podcast, but there's something to be said for partnerships. I think we are at a time where we are so sick of people that we want to root for friendships. And friendships right now are gay. Look at the queens. Every queen who, you know, whose name, aside from Bianca, <laughs> that, that bitch doesn't have a friend in the world. No, I'm joking. That's why they had to get her to host. They couldn't get anyone to be her partner. <laughs> Fucking cunt. That's exactly why Bianca was the host of Dragon no. Dinner on Hulu, dropping May 31st. Um, no, but you think of all the top, top queens and the way they've partnered up, even just on Bob your... Bob and Monet, you and Ben, you know, um, Thorgy and a dumpster. Trixie and Katya. <laughs> Trixie and Katya. And, and then on your... That's, that's the, we actually call them DWC, dumb white cunts. <laughs> We've also got on Moguls of Media. We've got Latrice oh. Royale and Manila Luzon do The Chop. Delta Work and Raja do Very That. Well, they used to. They used to. We appreciate. We appreciate. <laughs> but their I'm services. talking about the friendships. You know, yeah, we got Priyanka there. and Brooklyn Heights doing famous this week. Sloppy seconds with Big Dipper and Meatball. Oh, Meatball's um, a rising star. She really Holland is. Holland Closet with um, Jada and Heidi. So, what do you think it is about friendships? Like I, I told you my theory. Uh-huh. W- 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 what do you think about your friendship with Alaska Unlocked um, where you're at right now? Well, I'll tell you this. I don't listen to podcasts because it's like having, it's like constantly being in a, at a party and having to pay attention to what people are saying. And when I'm like working around the studio, like I'll put on music, but like I can't be listening to what someone else is saying really and get stuff that I need done without taking ADHD medicine because yeah. like, honestly, I'm so scattered and like I can't, compartmentalize my my uh sights and sounds that way sometimes mm-hmm. so like i don't listen to podcasts honestly um mm-hmm. i listened to yours once uh the first <laughs> one and i was like yeah i love it but i'm not a podcast girl i don't listen <laughs> yeah. to mine either and me, when, me like i'm not a podcast uh, yeah. i i get them um i get them in proximity yeah but <laughs> i i understand how podcasts work and the people in your yeah. ears are your friends so when they have two sets of friends that are like Alaskan Willem or duh, that's me but like uh, <laughs> when they have it's like they're in on the rapport and yeah. like it's like I'm on the right ear Alaska's on the left ear and we're talking through their brain they're enjoying the conversation sometimes they're in the conversation like I make it a goal to talk about Courtney Act at least once an episode because like <laughs> I know she listens and she's like our sister and we were in bands together and like yeah. you know so like I think the friendship transmits through the sounds and the ears and people hear it and they, they want to have a good time when they listen to all the mom shows like Jada and Heidi <clears throat> their podcast is exactly like touring with them and getting ready mm-hmm. in a dressing room. And Delta and Raja was the same thing. When uh, Forever Dog approached us about doing mom, we were just like, we just need like people that like talk good with each other that are friends and have like yeah. the rapport because basically you're just sharing your rapport. And I think the friendships that I've made in drag have been the secret to my successes because I always work better in groups. Boy is a bottom and chow down with Vicky and D. Like can't yeah. top that like ever. It's like it's played at every gay club. Like, and that was with, that was a group collaboration, you know? Um, The same thing with like the stuff with uh, Alaska and Courtney. Like I love doing that. And, but the podcast thing has been especially good for my own self-esteem because I feel like I'm actually doing something and I'm creating jobs and helping drag queens get their voices out there. Like, um, that's exactly what I'm trying to be of service to like the community. And like, you know, I'm, um, I'm trying to be if, because I'm not always good. So at least I can be fucking (laughs) useful, you know? That's how I look at it in my life. I'm trying to 
put more pluses. <laughs> Knowing you as long as I have, um, I can say you are a very good person, but you're also like, you know, you don't have a lot of patience for buffoonery, um, for bullshit. And I think... Oh my gosh, I was just watching this clip of who was it, Catherine Heigl, saying something like, um, people say she's difficult to work with. And she was just like, you know, I used to say, I don't think I am, but now I'm saying, no, I'm not. I just think I advocate for myself. So, you know, I think, I think um, when I first met you, I knew like just from the legend you had built of your own after season four of Drag Race, you know, I I was nervous to meet you because I was like, oh, she's going to be so, I'm not what she's about. She's, you know, she's this Hollywood bombshell. She's uh, sexy and fun and a party girl. Our first gig we did together, we really got along. Like, we, yeah. <laughs> we just kind of, it was one of those things where it was like, I think we recognized right away we were we were doing things very very differently, but from the same from the same place of passion of do, trying to do it well. Yeah, I think, <laughs> and I like that. Like you were like a theater fag too, because like yeah. Hedwig is probably my favorite show, other than like you know, uh, um, uh, Strange Loop or like mm-hmm. Take Me Out. Like those are my three favorites, and like I knew you were like a theater girl, and you were really good at your job. The song you sang, I was like, she shouldn't be doing this song at a nightclub, but she's amazing (laughs) at it. Like, you were so talented. And I knew at that moment, I was like, I'm not going to be able to beat her, so let me just join her. And I know, I know my friend hates her, and I know she's about to win Drag Race the way because Detox told me everything. As soon as she got home, she's like, "There's this redheaded girl named Jinx, and they pee for her." And I was like, "Well, I hate her." Um, and then I actually liked you because you're great. But um, also, I remember a conversation between us that we talked about like how our drag was different because you said, and this is like a quote, you said. You can just go out there and be an asshole, and people love that at a meet and greet or whatever. And I have to be jinx. And I was like, A, you don't have to be. You chose to be, but B, you get to be. But you could be whoever you want. And now, like, you don't do like the affected, like, James Mansfield voice anymore at the meet and greets. You're a normal person, and you were always enough, and the world was, you know. You just figure that out on your own now, you know? Yeah. You know, it is It is very much like that. Well, I think it's just over the years, um, becoming more and more myself in my day life has, like, blurred the line where I used to think there needed to be a, a strong distinction between my drag self and my out of drag self. Now I, I, you know, now it's all it's all part of one big stew, Same, right? Same. <laughs> yes. We're both appearing on Drag Me to Dinner. We appear we with our um, our collaborators. Who did you guys go against? Are we allowed to talk about it? Mouth I don't names. know. I don't. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not gonna give any. I'm not gonna spoil it. I'll I'll text you after. Okay. But um, uh, it's it's the you know it was the perfect pairing. It was like I was really really happy. We had so much fun. Did you have fun your shoot day? 
What are we talking about? Oh, drag, drag me, me to dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I loved my shoot day. Uh, there were a couple things that I wasn't allowed to do that I wanted to do that I was like, <laughs> ugh. And I was so mad. And then I was like, don't let it ruin your day. You look so fucking good. Your drag daughter's producing a TV show for drag queens, and she cares that much about <laughs> drag. You know, Neil and David, both of them are my drag daughters. And I'm so yeah. glad that, like, I get to work with my friends because they always have these cool-ass projects. Remember we did Wigstock together with them? Yeah. like I was just about to um, bring that up. You've been friends with um, Neil Patrick Harris and David Burtka for a long time. It's, you're the reason I know them today. You and John Cameron Mitchell. I dressed you to a party <laughs> once, didn't I? After, like, a holiday show. Yeah. And I remember I wore, like, a rose hat and, like, I looked we- so good. We shut down their holiday party one year. Yeah. That was so fun. Yeah. They've been like great. When my season of Drag Race was airing, my friend Michael Serrato, who directed my Chow Down video, he was a groundling. She's a brilliant creative mind. She um, sent me a text message video of Neil impersonating me and doing like my like cocky bitchy thing. And (laughs) fairly accurate. And then I was like, oh my God, is that Neil Patrick Harris? And he was like, yeah, he's my friend. And I was like, oh my God, tell him I said hi. And then they asked us, me, Vicky, and Dee to do the Sanderson sisters at a Halloween party for him. <laughs> and they had legendary Halloween parties, but we couldn't mm-hmm. do it. But I ended up putting Neil in drag with Detox and Calpurnia Adams for the first time before he did Hedwig because he wanted to get in drag like once with like people who actually did it, not like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he didn't want it to be under a makeup artist test situation. He wanted his friends to do it. So we put him up in drag and like after that, I like taught him about walking and we had like walking lessons and like I sent him videos on how to tuck and all that and sent him, <laughs> gave him options for gaffs and tucks and how stuff works and how he hides his junk. Because I hope you were careful she, she when you me. were picking videos out of your phone to send him. Oh, no, they've seen them all. They've seen them all. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. Um, Wait, did I just gloss over the fact that you were just saying Neil's hung? Oh, yeah. On, on the well, podcast? It was, well, it isn't It isn't Gone Girl. He, he's not afraid of full frontal nudity. He was in that movie Gone Girl, and I was like, oh, okay. Gone Gonads. Gonads, girl. Listen, <laughs> It's really cool to hear all the ways that Neil prepared for Hedwig because, like I said, um, John brought him to see, uh, we were doing the vaudevillians at the Laurie Beachman, Mm -hmm. and John Cameron Mitchell brought uh, Stephen Trask and Neil to uh, see the vaudevillians, and Neil asked me afterwards, so what do you do for eyebrows? And I said, you just shave them off, Neil. I wanted to see what he said. And he was like, really? You shaved them off? And I'm like, yeah, if you want to be a real drag queen, you got to shave them off. <laughs> and he just kind of like, well, I don't think he shaved them off, did he? No, he didn't. She's a pussy. <laughs> but the first time we painted her, we were like, what do you recommend? And it was in like a league of their own. And we're like, a lot of night games. <laughs> Because she don't fall far from my apple tree. Mama's a brick like me. She's got <laughs> angles, but I tell her, smile and um, just do what the nice man says. <laughs> She's a good drag daughter. Willem, you have been in television, TV, film and TV acting, acting for the camera. <laughs> Um, since before I started drag, I've, I, I've roasted you about this for years, but when I, before I even really knew what a drag queen was, 
I used to stay up late and watch a show called Street Smarts. This oh, is like God. when I was like 11 or 12. Yeah. <laughs> so it would have been a couple of years before I started drag. May I've watched that show for a long time, 10, 11, 12, who knows? Um, I was like a kid and you were a full grown adult and you were <laughs> on Street Smarts. I was 19. <laughs> you were on Street Smarts um, in full drag. Mm-hmm. You were doing um, kind of, we've talked about this, but you Nicole were playing. Nicole Kidman, yeah. Rouge era. Yeah, yeah. And they asked you a bunch of questions. Street Smarts was where two contestants um, had to try to guess whether people on the street were going to get the question, uh, the answer right or wrong. And so Willem was a wild card and she appeared on so many episodes because she gave good talking head. Yeah. And... You know, it was so funny, the things you knew and the things you didn't know. And people were always like, they had to pick a pony at the end. So they pick one person to just try to like um, predict for, for the very end. And everyone always picked you because you were such a wild card. Yeah, you... <laughs> is, that, is, that your, is that your head hair blended up into a fall? Um, fully. fully. Ah! No, it's a couple pieces. But yeah, that's a mall ponytail for sure in the back. But that was oh, the outfit. So, t- okay. So you've been doing TV for a long time. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on your your film and television career? What have you gotten to do that you're happy about? Where are your feelings at these days? And what would you like to do next? Well, uh, I feel like I've accomplished everything that I wanted to um, accomplish so far. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because it's calling it a career. It's like for me, they're just like jobs and gigs. But eventually when they pile up, they become a career, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, Star is Born, that was the easiest way for me to feel good about myself because I was sitting in a theater. RuPaul was one row in front of me, two seats over. And everybody was just roaring with laughter at these jokes that I made in a rehearsal and Bradley Cooper liked. So he kept him in this movie. And it made me mm-hmm. feel like I was a success and I made it in Hollywood. And now everything after that is gravy. So be of service to other people and like, you know, elevator back down and all that. Like Star is Born, I made it. I'm happy. A star is born, literally. I don't need all stars. It gave me everything I needed ever in Hollywood because it was also like a mini challenge on Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Like you improv mm-hmm. and you make sure, and then like, the the tits being like dry erasable, not knowing that a marker would like not like it. We had to wash it off in between takes. I didn't know mm-hmm. if that would happen or not. And I'm so glad they did. Like the comedy gods smiled on me. It was a perfect gig. I mean, it was a hard gig because first we auditioned and then they made me come back as a different character. They made me mm-hmm. do a dead Marilyn Monroe. And then they made me do Barbara Streisand. And then they gave us the part and they said, you're not Streisand, you're someone named Emerald. I said, okay, can I get the script? They're like, no, you can't. You will give me pages. <laughs> and I was like, okay. The night before I get the pages, it's like three, four random lines. We get on set. Bradley Cooper's immediately like, just act like he was in character. He's like, just act how you would in the club. And telling me and Chandler, we were like, okay. We got this because we know what we're doing and we can run this. And we did. And it was working with Shangela, who's also a professional girl. Mm-hmm. She's everything. And she knew what she was doing. It was the best. And then they asked us to do the next day with the guitar scene once they saw that first scene. Mm-hmm. It's like it went so well. And before that all happened, after we auditioned and got the part, 
we found out that they cut the roles and Gaga was just going to be a waitress. Mm. They were going to cut the whole drag bar scene and then Gaga fought mm. for it to be back in. But for like, they called me at Lance Black and Tom Daly's wedding the morning of and they were like, You're, my, the text from my agent said, this guy named Jesse, terrible, terrible news. Your parts have been cut. And I just remember it. And then I went downstairs and there was this producer named Bruce, Bruce something. He produces the Oscars and lots of stuff. But Bruce Spring. No, I don't I don't remember his last name. <laughs> but he's got blonde curly hair and he produced uh Silver Linings Playbook, which we were talking about Bradley uh-huh. the night before, because I told him my book Starsborn. And he said, <clears throat> I remember saying, Your friend just fired me from my movie. It wasn't my movie, but like I felt like I already owned it. And I was like, well, that's why you're being broad, telling people you book Star is Born. Uh-huh. I was in a car with um, Ari. I don't know his last name either. The guy who does NPR. And he was like telling the story about he was uh, at a wedding. And this kid was like going on and on about how he's in a movie with Gaga. And then he was like, sure, Willem. <sighs> you're in a movie with Gaga. And he'd said it on the radio. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, asshole. I am like it's the culmination of everything I've ever done in a career. And I feel so good about it. And like, I remember touring with you when the movie came out in 2018 for heels of hell. And I think a lot of us went to go see the movie together at one point, And it was like all my sisters being happy for me in a foreign country where we're being paid to be to perform and make other people happy, like, and spread joy. Mm-hmm. And like, it was just such a wonderful experience for me that after like 20 years of auditions and all the things that like, you know, you give up as an artist to have a normal life. Like all the times you're like, Oh, I was going to go home, but I got a job. So I can't and like, you know, um, it all felt worth it. So, like, honestly, I think that um, Stars Born is my favorite gig ever. I don't know how to top it. <clears throat> but Nip Tuck, Nip Tuck was great, too, and so was Rock of Ages. But for different reasons. But Stars Born, you can't top it. Gaga, like, for to be in Gaga's orbit? Oh, my God. I was also in Austin Powers 3 as an extra behind Beyonce and the Gold <laughs> Member scene. So I was in a complete telephone orbit of both, but Beyonce didn't pay me no mind. She was doing her job. Gaga, like, talks to me. She loves me. So she shouted out my name during Edge of Glory at a concert in Vegas on New Year's Eve. And I was like, did she just say my name or am I fucked up? And August was like, she just said your name. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, well, yeah, I went to my friend's show and she said hi. Like, Stars Born has made my life better in so many ways. And they send me checks every year because the residuals are great. That movie's a fucking hit. You know? Yeah. It was, you know, I... It's great. I, I watch it on the plane so much. It was a very good movie. I don't watch a lot of new movies, but of course I um, um, watched it to see all my girls in it. And um, it was a very... It was a powerful movie. My only joke that I make about it is um, I, I don't feel... I, when you said, could I get the script... I wanted to interject and say, no, because there isn't one. <laughs> doesn't, the, doesn't the movie feel like it's kind of like, um, uh, they were like, okay, I don't know. In this scene, we should uh, say something like this. How about? <laughs> you know? I can't, I do know that a lot of it was improv, but there were a lot of actors and improvers who were like in their own professions, like the hair, sure. the, the wardrobe people. Um, I'm pretty sure his ear doctor played his actual ear doctor, Bradley's. Sure. Because he's dealt with that. But, that's, but like, w- w- I really liked it because when you when you take a movie like A Star is Born that's been remade, multiple times, and and you want to make it its own unique thing, 
like that's how they did it with this one was rather than it being scripted and stylized like it's always been in the past. It was kind of more like, what if a star was born today? What would that look like? Shangela Laquifa Wadley. (laughs) So I, I just, um, yeah, really great work, Willem. But what you were saying about everything else just being gravy and also kind of like, you know, now you're at this place where you just want to like kind of give it back. I have to say, like, when you set a goal and you attain that goal, you know, if you're a decent human being, it feels really good to then turn around and go, okay, now how am I going to help other people get here? Because I just had that moment with Broadway and someone someone asked me, you know, like, what do you want to do now that you've done Broadway? I'm like, I just, more, more Broadway, more of what I'm doing. What do you want to do now that you've done Doctor Who? I'm like, more. This is where I want to be. And that feeling of being exactly where you feel like you've been uh-huh. trying to get to the whole time, it generates... This is why you hear the top stars when someone says, oh, I met this person or this person or this person. And you're like, Who, how, what, they were, what were they like? Nine times out of ten, you hear, oh, they're just the greatest person. They were nice. They were friendly. Or you might hear, well, they were doing their job, but you know, like you could tell they were... You know, mm-hmm. Because they're content. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, that's my thought. They're content. You I know, agree. like contentness, contentment has like made me a 10 times better person just because I'm not cranky anymore. And all I want to do is help other people feel content because that's, you know, it, it, it's not about happiness. Happiness is fleeting, it's about contentness. Yeah. And, contentment. Uh, also, to go back to Star is Born a little more, um, I know yeah, you would look for sickening in that alley wig, bitch. <laughs> Which, you would look sick, that red one. Oh, sure. When she goes red. Yeah, yeah. And in the original <laughs> script, he doesn't die by hanging. He uh, rides his motorcycle off a cliff on the way to the Grammys. So when that happened in the movie, I was just like gut punched crying. Yeah. Like almost wrecking my makeup. And then the producer told me afterwards, she's like, you know, you're your drag scene is one of the reasons that the movie works so well. It like endears people to him early and makes him like a great, a good guy. And I was like, wow, thank yeah. you. A producer of this Oscar winning fucking movie said that to me. And I was like, thank you so much. She was so nice. I yeah. loved everybody on that movie, but also I auditioned for a movie musical about a girl named Allie in 2011 when I was going out for burlesque. And uh-huh. I was like, I didn't get that. And I was so sad. It was, I got my prayer answered. I did a movie musical about a girl named Allie. It was (laughs) 10 years later, you know? I had to, like, do some trench work. And now I'm going to New York where to hopefully ride your fucking wave that you created (laughs) because to have the top ticket sales of a 26-year-long running show because you're in it, because you (laughs) spiked the sales, bitch, that should feel good. You're a fucking star. Oh, yeah. I feel very good. What yeah. I want to ask you is, <laughs> what I want to ask you is, um, what Death would drop, be... yes, this summer. <laughs> I know. We're getting to it. We're getting to it. What I want to ask you is, like you said about that 10 years later remark, which is something I brought up a lot recently. Um, 
what would you say to young actors, artists, and entertainers about patience in the industry? Because like I said, you've been working for years and years and years and years. And you're saying Star is Born is where you felt like, okay, I got everything I wanted out of this career. And now I'm like content and happy to like, now you're running your own um, podcast empire with friends. Like you said, you're creating work. How? How did you make it? How did you survive getting to A Star is Born since that did take so many years? And what would your advice be to people about patience along the way? First of all, we're closed. Hollywood's closed. We don't need anybody else. Thank you right now. Um, (laughs) But we can let you know. We'll keep this on file, your interest. Um, I would say I got my SAG card when I was 17, and that was 22 years ago. Mm -hmm. No, 23 years ago. Um, So in the past 23 years that I've been just trying to, like, make art and uh, and eat and make some money. Um, I got Stars Born in 2017 and mm-hmm. it premiered in 2018. That was 15 years into, you know, after my SAG card. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I gave myself goals and I figured out ways that I could try to be proactive to meet them. I would do one thing a day for my career, whether it was, this was back in the day when you had to mail out pictures to Mm. casting agencies. (laughs) So I would do, I would go in backstage and find something I was right for, or I would call all the extras hotlines that like Sandy Alisi was a casting director who did like a specific background casting for like good shows. And one of them was Nip Tuck. And I met Ryan Murphy on set reading a book about Janice Dickinson, like trying to learn stuff and mind my business being quiet on set because I was Mm -hmm. in a scene with like a couple of plus Tasha Smith, who's like this wonderful actress um, and uh, both of the doctors. And I was trying to just take it all in. And I knew that I was picture picked by the director and the director was Ryan Murphy. And then he came over and talked to me and he said, what book are you reading? I was like, it's about Janice Dickinson and plastic surgery. I'm obsessed. He's like, oh, okay, cool. And then I had auditioned for two other parts on Nip Tuck before. So he might he might have known me. Um, and the the next episode, that was the end of season two, episode 2.13. Episode 3.2 of the next season, there was a character I was perfect for. And I tried to get in for it. And my agent was like, no, they think you look too old. So I walked two blocks from where I lived to the casting studio, Ulrich Dawson Kritzer. And as I walked into the into the casting place, my friend Steven walked by and I was like, hey, Steven. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, there's this breakdown for Nip Tuck. And my agent said, someone said I look too old. Um, so I just wanted to, and he's like, hold on, let me get um, Rich Ulrich. He's going to pop his head out. He was the U in UDK. He pops his head out, looks, and he's like, yeah, give him an appointment. So I got an appointment on a Wednesday and then I went for the callback on Friday and I gave them something to hire me for. I was fucking great at that role of Cherry and I killed it in the room and I threw myself all over. I had a costume change. I went from like the bar scene to the bedroom scene and I had like a little thing I unbuttoned and it came off and boom, leopard slip. Like I gave them bedroom instant. I got on the table. I threw mm-hmm. myself on a chair when I was getting beat up. They were the, People stood up to see if I was okay. And then after that episode, they wrote three more episodes for me to participate in because I was a one episode character. So like feeling and knowing that you do a good job sometimes, just cherish it and know that like, oh, wow, this is exactly why I'm doing this. Because when you're on set, it feels so great. And the patience that you have, all these jobs that you go on and all the mileage and all the everythings um, will eventually be worth it if you're good. Yeah. 
if you sh- you should definitely have some friends who who will tell you like have it have an arrangement with them where like hey if by this time you think I need to pack it up let me know. <laughs> I think you know like what you described is knowing what you're good at. I'm putting in the work and putting in the like, you know, uh, (laughs) you put in the mileage and yes, uh, you have to be self-aware. But like, here's the thing about being self-aware is you can be maybe you're not like maybe you're not as strong an actor, but you're a great writer. You know, like there's ways to work in the field, even if like one thing isn't the best, like, avenue for you. I think, you know, like, I was so worried in acting school at this idea of getting pigeonholed or typecasted or only being seen as a character actor. Do you know what being pigeonholed and typecasted being seen as a character actor is? It means you're working. job security. Exactly. Yeah, bitch. Yes, bitch. Because you might not get as called, you might not get called for every single thing, but you oftentimes get called for the thing you're perfect for because you've really asserted what you're perfect for. Um, so you've, you, where you, are you, bitch? Are you in LA and haven't called me? I'm in Santa Monica. I leave oh, tonight okay. for Australia. Oh, so uh, I was working the whole time I was here. Oh, Willow. I was on Doctor Who and then uh, I had to go to Australia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now you've sh- sh- shaken my, oh, my train of thought. So oh, you, um, you put out a book. Uh, suck less. Um, oh, yeah. you're, you're head of a, you co-run a podcast empire. You, um, you're constantly doing TV, Stars Born. Um, you're a mainstay at, uh, the Kaminsky what, Method, Burning, Method, Burning Man. <laughs> um, I want to know what would you like dream of doing next? Um, even though it's all gravy, like what would be a fun next project? And what's one thing you're happy you don't have to do anymore to survive? <laughs> These two parters, bitch. First of all, I would like some gravy, and I think you should use it to top me, Girth Monster. Get out of here. Get yes. Out of here. Yes. That's what I would like for my immediate future. And then secondly, what's one thing I don't have to do anymore that I'm glad about? Um I just said the other day that I miss hooking because like, you know, I knew I could make money really quick. (laughs) I was really good at it. Everybody left happy. Um, I could I could I was like the queen of the four minute blowjob. I was the girl. Well, I was a boy. I didn't I didn't wear wigs when I did it, but I was the person. That's just for your personal time. That's just. (laughs) Yeah, girl, they didn't pay for that. Get your hands off it. Um, But. I was the person that, what was I talking about? Blowjobs, four-minute blowjob. I was the one that guy would say, oh, I can't get off from head. I'd be like, watch this. Watch. (laughs) And always, and that's why I, like, when I was hooking, I know I had some, I'm writing my second book right now, and I I added up the numbers and did my body count, and, like, my during my hooking days, I did 160-something dates with 104 of the same people. So there were a lot of regulars. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. it was because I suck such good dick. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm proud of that. And like, that's what got me to Hollywood. That's how I made my money. Cause like <laughs> when I was a kid growing up, I was fascinated by redheaded hookers. Fancy from the Reba song, <laughs> Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. Um, the little girl from Teen Witch who didn't sell pussy, but she did have that pretty amulet and the short lady. Um, so like, I wanna be the most popular girl. That's from Teen Witch. And I used to sing it to myself while I sucked dick. So top that. Because that's how I, so top, top that. that. And I don't if you really wanna, give up about trying to top that. So top that. <laughs> I loved her. Supersonic, idiotic. What else do you got to say? Um, that movie was everything. Uh, I can't believe she was Blake Lively's sister, too. <laughs> I love her, Robin Lively. She's great. I got to work with her. I got to work with Teen Witch on something. So that was like a full circle for me because when I worked with Robin, I was like, Robin, you were the first time I saw a sex scene in front of my parents and I remember having a boner and being like, this is weird. But I was looking at the boy, not you, Robin. <laughs> She's nice. She's a nice lady. <laughs> She's a nice lady. Yeah. Remember um, that movie she got fucked in like a barn and like the sun was coming through the hay? No, I only saw Teen Witch. No, that was Teen Witch, girl. She got fucked in the barn in Teen yes. Witch? She lost her virginity oh, to the Oh, it was heavily implied. Job. Oh, that's right. The, the random like, yeah, the smooth jazz scene in the middle of the movie. Uh-huh. Soft lit. <laughs> um. What I want to know about Teen Witch is why does her magic get stored in an amulet that never runs out, but Zelda Rubenstein's magic is like dust that she runs out of. She has finite amount of magic. She has to use the last of her power to give to give um, this teen her chance to what pop her cherry in a barn? Uh -huh. And then she gets that <laughs> denim jacket from that one pop star. She's like, "I want you to have this jacket." <laughs> I love Teen Witch. You should do the musical Teen Witch. Um, you should oh. play Zelda on your knees. <laughs> okay, listen. Um, we gotta close out by talking no! about Death Drop. We okay. gotta close out talking about Death Drop. I didn't get to see you in Death Drop, but I did see Death well, Drop perfect. on the West End in the UK. Um, it's a really great show written by Holly Stars. I love, you know, I love stuff for queens by queens. Yeah. Um, and you are going to be uh, debuting it in New York. What yes, in honey? In, when today? Tomorrow? It starts. <laughs> I think previews start um, in the middle of June. We officially open on my forty-first birthday, June thirtieth. I expect cards. I like pineapples, not flowers. Um, <laughs> and it's you and Juju B are um, our American representatives in this in, in yes, this cast. Yes, me, Juju B. <laughs> There's a couple of castings that are, they're saving because they're surprises. Sure, sure, sure. They're really good. Um, but we are going to be open all summer. DeathDropPlay.com. Come see us. It's going to be great. Holly wrote it. It's so funny. There's drag kings. There's drag queens. There's other girls from uh, Drag Me to Dinner. Kiki Ball Change is the swing. Um, and she does she covers everything, I think. Uh, who else is in it? A couple people are in it. There's a lot. It's, I'm so excited for it. It's like... To have a job in New York. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember I had, like, a little folder that I would carry in, like, junior high. And I mm -hmm. had cut a picture of B.B. Newworth out in Chicago when she's, like, looking up at her hand like that. Yeah. It was in, like, the time entertainment issue, like, in the, like, 90s. And I remember thinking, I'm going to go to New York and see this show. And then I did. And I saw The Life 
Chicago, and then I think Charlie Brown or maybe Rent <laughs> at the same time on the same trip to New York when I was like 15 and I visited my lesbian aunt there and like I just went to see shows in the summer and it was great. And I was like, I want to do this. I want to be at a job in New York. And like, then I fantasized, oh, I'll be a Fosse dancer. But bitch, I don't uh, want to get on the floor that much. Uh, <laughs> I don't need to be on the floor. My shit's too expensive. I'll sing. So like, I get to do theater in New York, which is my find dream that, growing up. I find that ironic. I know, that right? You, did, that you didn't want to be on the floor that much. Um, Willem, I have some compulsory questions that I Hit ask me. every guest. Even as my boss, you have to answer them, but you answer them however you feel. But before I ask those questions, is this a wig by vanity? What is this wig? Is this all one piece? Oh, girl. I Thank need you for this asking. wig in my so color because I love updo. this shape. Oh, it's an updo. Okay. This is an updo that... Um, Cynthia Loomsey style, uh, colored for me in Chicago. She's this great colorist I love, that I love it. And then I wore it on set today. Oh, and it goes down to like probably well down to here. Did you pin it up yourself? or No. What? what I did was before I put it on, I grabbed a ponytail. And then actually I was on a shoot. And Aurora saw what I was doing. And she's like, here, let me do it. Because she was... Um, uh -huh. She was helping with everything. She's an art director. She's brilliant. So she we, we put it in a ponytail... And then, because um, she had just put up this pink hair that I was wearing like five minutes before in like this lazy updo and it looks so good. So uh -huh. I was like, let's do that with this, but we'll ponytail it in. And then she just sprayed it forward and Zach Killian styled it. And this, the last I time- I love this, Zach Killian. He's everything. Yeah. He's fucking everything. And it's like, great. I, he's busy. She's yeah, booked. Yeah. And she, her wigs are great, and they stay curled for you. This last got yeah. curled. And I wore this in Death Drop in London. It hasn't been redone since. And it was still it's fine. It's real good. You look real good. Thank now, you. Now that that's out of the way. This fucking I, I wanted, I want, I was hoping it was a style I could buy somewhere because that's, uh, I love, I love a big messy updo. That's Aww, one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. You could you could totally pull this off. <laughs> All right. Um, before oh, one last thing. We have to congratulate you and Alaska and everyone at the Moguls of Media Network. Um, drag is good. You did it in Nashville, Tennessee, where they, mm -hmm. of course, are dealing with blatantly bigoted anti-trans, anti-queer legislation. Um, you raised seventy-eight thousand five hundred dollars um yeah. to give to multiple charities uh, to fight back on the legal battlefield um which is the only way we can fight back at this point it sucks um yeah. but thank you for your service thank you for um uh what what what's a good like shorthand for giving it back spreading it around uh -huh. This people's got it and this people spread it around. Isn't it nice that it's um yeah, I like I I think I'm I've been inspired by people I see who are extremely generous. And there's a woman named Ari Getty who uh you know she the L the LA LGBT Center and GLAD um really benefit from her philanthropy and her gifts. And I think like those that have uh those that are given a lot, a lot is expected of. So I yeah. like that I can help where I can and when I can, especially by cross-dressing. Mm -hmm. um, and it felt really good to do that because like those are places we work and like, how dare they come for our friends' jobs down there and like 
than trans people, honestly, because we all saw what they were doing. We saw that they were saying, mm-hmm. oh, well, you're in drag, so this is illegal. We know what they're trying to do. Same thing that the Nazis tried to do. You know, mm-hmm. they burnt the Sex Institute first, you know? Yeah. They're, yeah. And, we need to protect and our trans sisters. If That's what anyone, it is. If anyone doesn't think that this affects you, if you are someone who thinks that because it's a queer issue, because it's a trans issue, that it doesn't affect you, like, give it 10 minutes, honey, because once they get, once they successfully yep. remove rights for one Group of people, they come for the next. They did it to women with Roe v. Wade. They're doing it with queer freedoms. And there are places already talking about trying to ban porn in their state. And that's going to affect everyone, not just queer people. So if you think, like, they start with the sexuality. And once they control the way you think about sex, they can control the way you think about other things. And sex is just an easy place to start because it has been demonized and made sinful by the church since our civilization began. You answer however you feel. First question is, who's your celebrity crush today? My celebrity crush is and always is Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors? I don't know who that is. He was the the antagonist in the Ant-Man Quantum that just came out. He was in... um, he was in what's that so show? So not Paul Rudd. <laughs> no, he he was in um, Lovecraft Country. He was the lead in Lovecraft Country. Oh, he was in yes, Creed. yes, yes. Um, I love love. Him. I loved. He's brilliant. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Thank him. you. He's I'm so terrible crush. with names. Oh my gosh, mine today is. I'm sure I've said him before, but I'm. Oh wait, I want to congratulate you for your telethon work too. By the way, bitch, I saw you there and you're with that gorgeous red hair. Not a lick Uh. of lace, baby. You look (laughs) sickening. That was new hair. I liked her. It wasn't though. It wasn't though. I've just got turned the way around. Things. Yeah. No. (laughs) But um, who's your uh, celeb? My celeb. I'm sure I've said him before, but I'm saying him again because it's the mood I'm in. Blake Griffin. Oh, my God. Yes. You know, I love a tall guy Mm -hmm. with big feet, Willem. And he's (laughs) funny. I know you love a foot bitch. He is so funny. He did these car commercials, and he he really has a great sense of humor. I follow his Twitter. I really respect his uh, intellect, and I want to suck his dick. Yeah. Blake Griffin, if you're listening, if you want a four-minute blowjob. Hello. (laughs) Hello. My next question for you is, are you spiritual? Um, am I, I talk to God whenever I need things really bad. And mm-hmm. um, I like their music sometimes. But like I talk to the universe and, and I believe in like something out there that like I, I can like talk to, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. And if it's God, it's a woman because women create everything. So oh, I respect yeah. her as a woman. I'm sure she is real, but if she's not, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm not sure she is real, but if she is, I don't want to offend her. But like, so that's why I'll never say I don't believe in her. But like, you know. Yeah. I hear you. I am. Um, like I, she's I, listening to the pod. <laughs> no, <laughs> I am. Um, you know, it's like we can, I've, I've realized that we change our minds. I mean, not change our minds, but we develop our thoughts throughout life. And so I've always talked to and believed in God. 
I call it something different now. I see it as something different than how I was raised to believe it was meant, you know, like how it has to be. But, you know, like I just thoroughly encourage everyone to name everything your own name for it. You know, you don't have to call that spirit, that, that, that thing in the universe you were talking about. You don't have to call it God or you can call it God and know you're talking about something different than what's from the Bible. Um, everyone name your own shit. (laughs) Every time someone says the word God, I think of Madonna at the beginning of like a prayer going, God, 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 God. My final question for you is what's your go-to karaoke song? My go oh I've I have a list. I'm sorry. But go my for it. Go-to go-to is probably um oh shit. This is hard. I really like The Boy Is Mine. Uh-huh. I also do Fancy a lot, the Reba yeah. song. And then depending on- It sounds on- like, did Fancy shape you as a human being? It really she feels did. like sh- that song shaped you as a human Honestly, being. Honestly, I knew by the age of eight that I wanted to be a hooker. I was like, <laughs> I want to go to Hollywood and do what this girl is doing who gets the blonde wig and then the red wig. Uh, what what could that be better? And she changes outfits all the time. I love this. And then you know where my studio is? It's a block from where they filmed that location with her in that <laughs> hotel. Like my life actually, my dreams came true. Honestly. And I mean, like, we've seen we've seen every drag queen in the world take off that upper lip and do that song at at your local bar. But, you know, there's a reason. And I've always theorized that we, we as queer people identify with female tragedy. Uh I I wanted the red dress with the slit and thigh clean up to my (laughs) hip, honey. But you know what is in that song is there's that sense of tragedy, but then there's also that sense of triumph and then, and then rising above it. And like the, 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 you know, like, oh my God, of course, dive bar drag queens, we're all dreaming of like our Moulin Rouge moment, our pretty woman moment of like, we kind of romanticize the idea of slumming it until we like, hit that big moment, get that stride, you know? Yeah. And I think drag queens were just always going to identify with the underdog hooker. Willem, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for giving me the job in which you joined me today. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, do you want me to read your ads with you? You want me to jerk I, off, I jerk off the, the scent bird? I already did the ad while oh. I was waiting for you to jerk off the simp bird um do you have anything else we've talked about so much you got anything else you want our listeners to i say our listeners because they are our they listeners. are yeah yeah you I, got anything you gotta plug um i want to um plug all the mom shows i like them all and i have the list we talked about it. i'm gonna hit them again i'm gonna hit them again here we go here we go we got the chop. wait let's see if i can do it yeah yeah all in okay. closet yeah, with Jada and Heidi. Mm-hmm. Famous This Week with Priyanka and Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, the Chop with Manila and Latrice. Yeah. Hi, Jinx with Jinx Monsoon. Uh-huh. Um, there's also Meatball and Big Dipper on Sloppy Seconds, Alaska and Willem. Um, there's, I know there's more. Oh, 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 oh. We had uh, Shay doing like a top model podcast, but she don't do that yeah. no more. Uh-huh. Um, we've had a lot of girls, uh, pretty girls. 
<laughs> pretty, pretty girls. And, you know, I think, I think there's just some, we've talked about it for years, but there's lots to be said about artists creating their own work, artists creating work for other artists, and artists being the producers of all said stuff. Because there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you know, there's a lot of people out there who don't have art as the as the the show is not their bottom. <laughs> the, not the, the artistic integrity of the show is not what they're concerned with. Let's yeah, say baby, that. I had- I had to build my own new bridge because I burned all the other ones. But honestly, I'm happy. I'm happy out here doing my thing. Uh, um, I get to work with people who treat people how I like, which is why I work for myself. Yeah. <laughs> which you know, I work. My boss is an asshole, but I'm self-employed, so I chose that. So I can. But take a very it. okay. famous asshole. Yeah, but she makes me get in drag all the time. She's like, put a wig uh-huh. on. And then I have to hit her. And I'm like, bitch, you better put a wig on. You get to put a wig on. <laughs> and that's what I do in the mirror. And I'm like, put your wig on, bitch. Put your but, makeup on. But every and- once in a while, you get to rebel by wearing handlebar mustaches or one of those horrifying baby masks that you insist on wearing. <laughs> that's what I was going to say about, like, all the all the things that you were saying about, like, the terrible Republicans and, like, the things that are happening. I was like, there's drag queens with mustaches out there. Girl. <laughs> Like, it's end of days, or we better turn it around, honey. This all drag is valid bullshit. The ugly girls feel empowered. Oh, shit. They're like, I'm not shaving no more. Throw my razor out. I loved it. I loved it. And I, I um, I, I encourage you to find more ways to explore your hidden avenues of your drag and your gender. Yeah, I'm going to do it with my pubes next, bitch. I love you. I hope I didn't make you late for your flight. I'm sorry. No, you did it. I love you so much, Willem. Thank you so much for being my boss. Thank you for being a friend. Oh, and thank oh, you for joining. <laughs> thank you for joining me here today on High Jinks. Travel down High Jinks and back again. I love and you. And thank you all so much for listening to High Jinks here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram and at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for You won't see him, bitch. <laughs> and I'll see and I'll see you next Wednesday for some more. Hi Jinx. I'm putting this in your quarterly review. You were sloshed at work. <laughs> I see you, bitch. <laughs> Oh. Mom. To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad-free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.